Welcome back to System Minutes Trivia, the podcast where sometimes we do greetings that other hosts don't like. This is Brent. My name is Jonathan. And I'm a motherfucking choo-choo Santa Claus. Ho, 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 bitches. <laughs> no, see, Jay thought that's all I wanted from that you. That was very inappropriate, Maiden. <laughs> Are you going to do this the whole time? I may. This weird, creepy... You sound like Here's a child the thing. Okay, you sound like that one guy from Hope. Anyway. <laughs> what? You know oh, who yeah. I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. Here's yep. the thing. I was extremely high energy and having a very great time, and yes. these two gentlemen, who I used to think were quite lovely, have <laughs> shat on it. So this is what you get, fans. This is what you get. What are you talking about? They might actually uh, wait. prefer this more. <laughs> yeah, I, they, they I, might actually. I cannot confirm or deny whether they will or not until later, because I haven't listened yet. So <laughs> for now, we're just going to go with this. This, I, this I is what give you it, get. I give it like another 30 seconds before you forget and you just slip right back in my I'm not going to thought. slip. I've never slipped before. I'm not going <laughs> oh, to slip today. Oh, okay. There will in. never... Stop it right now. There will never be a time <laughs> when I will slip. You didn't slip into the glory hole? Glory holes slip into me. <laughs> what? That doesn't even make sense. Get, yeah, well, yes, what about... Does. What, did, okay. what about snapping into a Slim Jim? No, we can't have any fun here, so I propose that we Woo. move on, perhaps, to what we're drinking. <laughs> oh, oh, my okay. God. If it wasn't so late in the season, you wouldn't be getting away with this. So I am Why still... wouldn't I get away with it, Brent? Because it's stupid. I am still I, drinking. I, actually I am still drinking. I am... Yeah, I know you're a weenie in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> so I, st- I, I still don't know I, what <laughs> Jathan will save everyone the time and tell them that he's drinking bullet 10 again and yeah. last episode someone I'm with still... a lot more energy than me basically said <laughs> that if he didn't finish it in that episode he was a weenie in the wild no I don't think anyone actually said that I'll go back it and was listen in the episode that I said you were a weenie I in the wild go... I, I thought you said someone other than me, number one. Number two... No, yes, I said someone with less energy than me, I think. Or more. I, more. But anyway, more energy. you're trying to make me slip, and it simply will not work. I will not have it. I hear you starting to break in the in your voice. I hear it in the corners. I he can't do the radio announcer voice. Trying. I'm trying not to laugh right now. And you're going to fail miserably. <laughs> it is extremely difficult. <laughs> is it All extremely right. difficult? Mr. Yes, Serious yes, Jathan, what the fuck are you drinking? Yes, what the fuck are you drinking? Well, my new personality voice thing really enjoys Tullamore Dew. And so that is what I am sipping on on this fine evening. Tullamore Dew? <laughs> this is the most boring. This is seriously, like, I'm I falling asleep. I would very much appreciate if you could just calm the fuck down. <laughs> you are quite upsetting me. I am quite upset uh... right now. I don't give a shit. All right, Peyton, what are you drinking? I have some absolute and orange juice, and it is delicious. Oh wow, bringing out that uh, that screwdriver. Oh yeah, Jathan. Yes, sir. <laughs> are you going to be doing this the entire episode? I'm highly considering trying. <laughs> I please I don't. I think he's going to fail miserably. This I is give the him five worst minutes. thing I've ever heard. Would give, you all like I to hear about minutes. how I potentially got some glass in the bottom of my foot? Nope, don't care. <laughs> This is not glass administrative. Fine. You will will it make you stop talking like this if I let them if I let you tell them how you got glass stuck in your foot? I'm extremely doubtful. Okay, then no. All right. Peyton, then we'll, on with the news. Yes, let us move on. 
This is Pain with the News. Jaython sucks. <clears throat> All right, so our first bit of news we have here is that a military court has barred the forced unlocking of smartphones as evidence. Now, this is actually something we've talked a little bit about in the past. I think we maybe have had one or two episodes where we've discussed this type of news. Brent and Jaython? Sort of. Yeah, something similar, you know. In varying degrees, yeah. Varying degrees, you know, you walk across the board, they say, unlock your phone, you say no, they say, okay, we'll put you in jail for 10 years, they say, fine, all right, whatever. So anyway, Mm. the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces has decided that the sergeant in the Army, uh, he had evidence that was obtained from his smartphone, they decided that the evidence from that was inadmissible in his court-martial because he asked for an attorney before disclosing his passcode. Now, this is important because he was using his phone to stalk and sexually assault his ex-wife. He, according to the... Allegedly, or was that proven? Mm, Well, no, it was not proven because the information was not allowed to be used in court. Okay. We have, we have the court reading, I would like, you know, it's, it's a long, wait, Stooky? What? Really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, if that's if that's your bag, we'll link to it. But we're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna read, we're not about to read. Well, the, whole thing the uh, point uh, the point of the story is that the Fifth Amendment uh, allows you to not what's the what's the right what's the right word for this it allows you to not I'm drawing draw a blank here to have uh, incriminate yourself. Yes, yeah. It, it doesn't allow you to incriminate yourself. Sorry, yeah, I was, I was drawing a blank on that. And so what happens is is they're determining that the passcode itself is incriminating information and thus privileged. And even though the investigator was never actually given the passcode, the sergeant of the army that was arrested for this crime and then tried and not, I'm not sure if he was convicted or not. I didn't see it in the actual story. They said that it was still part of the same basic effort to get him to give evidence against himself. So it's, they're saying that it's part of the, the Fifth Amendment, which is a big deal. So hopefully more courts will see this. Maybe we'll even see a Supreme Court case out of this. We'll see. But it's a, this is a big deal, so I hope that more people can contest this kind of thing. Generally speaking, if you're being arrested for something like that, you can always ask for an attorney. If you're being stopped crossing a border, I think your rights are a little less there. The next bit of news we have is that there is a Minix system running on the Intel management engine chips. So, Brent, do you have an Intel, Intel chip in your, in your laptop or your desktop? or Both. Oh. I don't. Well, yeah, all of them have the ME, right? Yeah. Pretty After much. like 2006 or something. Pretty much, yeah. So you're not only running Linux in the hard drive, you're also <laughs> running Linux on your processor, essentially. Well, Minix. Minix. It's what uh, drove Linus Torvalds to create Linux. True. Very true. Now, this is a... It's running three separate x86 cores on modern chips. This Minix is. It's running a TCP IP networking stack, 4 and 6. It's got a file system. Mm-hmm. It's got drivers, disk, net, USB, and mouse. And it's got a web server. It has access to your passwords. It can re-image your computer's firmware even if it's powered off. Now, it has to be plugged in. But it, well, right, yeah. But if it's powered off and still plugged in, it can do this. And it can implement self-modifying code that can persist across power cycles. So you unplug, you pull the power, you plug it back in if you think you fixed the problem, and oh, guess what? It just reverted all the changes you did. There's a lot of exploits that can be done in the UEFI or the Minix code that loads the EFF has been calling for Intel to provide a way for users to disable ME. Russian researchers have found a way to disable it after the hardware started, but that's not really a good yeah, it's, thing. It's too it's late bad. at that point. It's yeah. bad. It's, it's really bad. So this is a big deal. Hopefully we can get this sorted. It'd be great, but, you know. Fucking Intel. 
Well, I, the, but the worst part is like I've been an AMD fanboy for the longest yeah. time, and then starting with my desktop build, which mm-hmm. is pretty old. It's like maybe six or seven years old. Starting with that, I was like, eh, maybe I'll give Intel a try. So I went with Intel. And like, to be fair, AMD's kind of been sucking lately anyways. Yeah. So like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you want cheap, that they're great, but they're not great. They're not top of the line, yeah. But like, AMD doesn't do this shit. Yeah. Well, well no. The AMD Ryzen processors are actually not totally open. They include the AMD platform security process and, and a black box of some sort. So you definitely don't want to switch to AMD chips just to get past this. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So watch your ass so there. So all hardware sucks. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much. basically what pretty we're much. getting at. Okay. Well, we knew this was coming back in the early aughts because of the TPM. And I remember, I specifically remember reading in uh, Maximum PC or another, or another article at the time about the new chips that would have DRM baked into them that they could just enable mm-hmm. and stuff. And so this has been coming for a long time. This is not something that's brand spanking new. Yeah, I mean, it's what? Like, the ME first was, like, 2006 was when it hit yeah. mass production. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. Like, why do you need a web server on that? <laughs> like, <laughs> why, not? You know? why not? Why not? Why not? Oh. So, another Debbie Downer that we have here is that Jayton sucks. I mean... We have a number of OSS security vulnerabilities. There are 14 of them. They were found with SysCaller. They're in the Linux kernel USB subsystem. All of them can be triggered with a crafted malicious USB device Great. in case they have physical access to your machine. So we all know the adage, if you have physical access to a machine, you own the machine, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I experienced that at Besides DE last year when we <laughs> rebooted a certain individual's laptop and loaded up <laughs> yep. a specific thing. Yeah. So don't allow people physical access to your machines and you're fine. Or, you know, you can do hot glue into your USB ports. <laughs> <sighs> I just hate everything. The next piece too. of news has me makes me happy, though. Oh, so here's a little bit of happy. Marissa Mayer who, you know, was the CEO of Yahoo, and she decided that Yahoo's remote work program was failing because no one was working from home. Yeah. Yeah. She, (laughs) well, as you're aware, of course, she testified on Wednesday of last week, which would be, what, the the, the 30th? The the first. The first? Was it the Okay, right. So she testified Mm -hmm. Wednesday about a security breach, and I don't know if you may have heard of this, Brent, but it was 3 billion users account, user accounts, which is the single largest, largest. breach in history. <laughs> the thefts occurred yep. during her tenure, and she wanted to apologize. So, great. I feel better Doesn't now. fix it. I feel but... better now. <laughs> well, so Congress called her and former CEO of Equifax in front of them to ask why it took so long to disclose the breach and how it could have underestimated the impact by billions. That's with a B of accounts. She did not know of the intrusion in 2013. She learned of the intrusion by files presented in 2016. She deflected the increased estimate by noting it was revealed after her tenure at the company had ended. That was still, she was still in charge when it happened. So, mm-hmm. but that's okay. She got her golden parachute of $260 million in stock and severance. So, for fuck's sake. You know. Yeah, by the way, now, now would be a good time for you, if you haven't heard it yet, to go back to, when did we have Johnny Durrell on? S2E18? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we talk about the golden parachute mm-hmm. thing a lot. It, yeah. it's, it's baked in it's, there. It's, oh, it's baked in there, which so is ridiculous. It, it really is. It's ridiculous. There were a couple of senators who asked questions. One said that it was unfathomable to the average person that the CEOs of Yahoo or Equifax could walk away with a possible quarter of a billion dollars despite the security failures. 
I agree with that. I, I think it's unconscionable. Like if you, you've made this, you know, terrible, terrible thing and you're not directly responsible for it, but you're in charge. You shouldn't get to walk away with the money. Like they said in the previous episode, what S218. Mm-hmm. So that's my thoughts on that. The next bit of news we have is, is, Hey, do you like mechanical keyboards? I do. I, I have I a mechanical keyboard. My wife has one. I think Jathan doesn't because he uses a Mac, but whatever. There was a built-in keylogger found in the Mantis Tech GK2 keyboards. This sends data to China. Hey, guess where it's made? Oh, wait. China. Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> so the it's a 104-key keyboard. It costs around 50 euros. I don't know what that is in American. The keyboard, according to Tom's Hardware, utilizes something called Cloud Driver Software, and it collects analytic information, but has been caught sending sensitive information to servers tied to Alibaba. The Tom's Hardware team found that the keyboard does not include a full-fledged keylogger. Instead, it captures how many times a key has been pressed and sends this data back to online ser- servers. I'm sorry. The effective users showed a screenshot showing the plain text keystrokes, and they're being uploaded to a Chinese server located at an IP address. That's 47.90.52.88. Please do not us. I mean, um, for your information. If you you mean firewall that. Firewall that. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. So, you know... Brent, if, this if you're... This is another case where an outgoing firewall rule is a very good idea. <laughs> yeah, it would have saved your ass. I forgot he was doing that almost. Like Me too. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about outgoing rules last episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> why must he talk think, like this? I think it would be nice if we had a whole episode talking about oh outbound God, rules and up. why that's a good idea, especially for larger organizations. So we can, even I, we can gladly do that if you stop using that voice. Yeah, absolutely. So even <laughs> though there's technically no malicious intent, which anybody who's uploading stuff to a server in China, I just I don't believe that one bit. Even though there's no malicious intent, according to the article, capturing and uploading keystroke counts without users' consent violates trust and puts system security at risk. Which I mean, we've seen happen. I mean, NSA guy used a backdoor OS and or a Windows Office and got compromised. So hey, great. The Alibaba group sells cloud services like at Google and Amazon. This information is not mm. necessarily being sent to Alibaba itself, but someone using a service. If you open the IP address in question, it goes or in a web browser. It opens to a Chinese login page, which translates to Cloud Malice Platform Background Management System, and it's maintained by Shenzhen SciTech Technology Company Limited. The worst part, though, is like it transmits it in plain text, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it may not be like direct strings of key logs, but like. There's still some derivation you can do for passwords. Well, no, I stuff. mean, they, they have a... I'm looking at the image right here, and there's one, two, three, four, 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 five. I mean, they've got... Oh. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So, stop using this. Make sure you buy keyboards from a reputable company or... Well, the keyboard the keyboard itself is fine. It's just that additional software. No, no, no. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's it's completely garbage. <laughs> complete garbage <laughs> i mean yeah i saw the keyboard the keyboard does look kind of like trash itself Dude, but like it looks nasty yeah i hate it yeah but it's not the keyboard itself though that's the problem it's the additional driver software bullshit hey, bum, bum. hey did you hear about the microsoft engineer that installed google chrome mid-presentation after edge kept crashing <laughs> yeah i forgot about that all right so the next bit of news we have is that the tor browser had a critical flaw called what was it brent what was it what was it Tormoil. Tormoil. Tor- <laughs> Tormoil. My God, Gag someone me. was really thinking on their toes for that one. <laughs> so this flaw called Tormoil, it's a critical flaw. It leaks the user's real IP address. Now, remind me again, 
Tor obfuscates your IP address. It hides it, right? It's like a proxy, right? 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 So sort of. So yeah. your your yeah. real IP address being out there would be bad, right? Right, 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 right. So anyway, this is affecting Mac and Linux versions of the Tor anonymity browser. Browser, there's been a temporary fix for the vulnerability. What happens is, is when you use the file colon slash slash rather than the more common HTTPS and HTTP colon slash slash prefixes, the flaw is triggered, and your OS will attempt to directly connect to the remote host, bypassing the Tor browser. So there you are. Don't use Tor, please. Just stop. I would like to go on record saying you should use Tor. Also, make sure you're using Signal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brent, have you ever used uh, WebRoot for any, of your, maybe once. Maybe for any of your Windows boxes? Yeah, back, well, when I, back when I had to do cleanup of, of people's PCs and stuff. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you updated to the Windows 10 Fall Creators Edition, users get notified that access to files or folders was denied. Typically, this will happen when creating, updating, moving, or deleting existing files and folders. The root cause, of course, of this is a patched version of WebRoot WSA, which is WebRoot Security Secure Anywhere, which is currently undergoing QA testing. It's due out in, in December, so right now you're kind of screwed. There are some workarounds you can do. If you have an unmanaged policy, you have to perform the following on each device. We have a little list. Basically, it's removing WebRoot. I'm just kidding. It's not really that, but uh, yeah. If you have policies, there's some other steps you can perform. It's only Windows 10 with Fall Creators update. It does not affect all Windows 10 with Fall Creators update. There's a workaround. There's a patch version on the way. This is fucking dumb. <sighs> Stop using my brood. And a story near and dear to Jathan's heart. Nearly half of Colorado counties have rejected a Comcast-backed law restricting city-run internet. Now, I was confused about this story initially because I was trying to figure out what a city-run internet was. And basically what they're referring to is the city provides the bandwidth to you and you're built mm. like a utility. Wouldn't that be fantastic? You get a pipe of however much and you just pay per usage, right? I'm torn on, on it. I, don't I really believe that the internet should primarily be something that you pay a fixed price for. I don't believe that you should have to pay for bandwidth. Well, I am still angry that Xfinity limits me to one terabyte per month. All right. I think it is absolute bullshit. Limiting is one thing. Limiting is but one paying thing. Paying for bandwidth is another. So well, like, I'm okay with that as long as it's a, a fair price. I yeah. think I would be more comfortable if it were perhaps yearly or you could roll over some amount from one month to the next. No, no, I yeah, don't think there should be a cap at all. Rollover would there be fair. Are, no, no there are definite, well, no cap at all would be very ideal, Peyton. But as it were, <laughs> Duh. there is a cap. So at least having a cap that was slightly more flexible or had some added benefit for not reaching it every single month would be mm. beneficial for many people. Yeah. Yeah. I can just definitely agree with like rollover and things like that. But I have files. Like, I don't have a cap. <sighs> Get a real internet. Well, I mean, theoretically, Verizon Fios doesn't have a cap like on paper but like if you're using like terabytes a day they're gonna look into what you're doing and they're gonna be like look i believe that they have the same thing that like t-mobile has where you're fine as long as you're not in the top five percent or whatever it is well as someone on t-mobile there's definitely a cap there's a hard cap well you're also down in the city as well i know ask for sometime how much is how much data he's using oh true he'll tell i mean he's using tens of gigs Mm -hmm. so yeah but we're up, you know, outside of the city where there's not as many users. Right. So, right. Yeah, yeah. So I can, I see what you're saying. And I, I think that would scale well for mm-hmm. residential ISP. Sure. Oh, I, I, yeah, I was just saying, you know, I, I don't believe in caps. 
Mm-hmm. I think that there are people out there who, you know, abuse caps. And so instead of giving everyone a cap, you should only limit the people who are abusing it. That's how mm-hmm. I feel. But I mean, on the other side, if you if you charge bandwidth, like by usage through the entire scale, I mean, you at least can deal with the abusers. Well, in a yeah, way of, this like, this idea expanding though, your own hardware offering, this idea, though, that you get 20 down and five up. For yeah. $80 is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, there is you know? there's that too. Or yeah. the, well, we only have five megs down and a meg up in your area. Are you going to upgrade anytime soon? No. Yeah. Can you run a new line to me? Well, that'll be $10,000. Go fuck yourself. You're supposed to have fucking fiber everywhere, you fucks. Yeah. Well, the Who other. Please request that you calm down. <laughs> Jathan, you're, you're creeping me out. Yeah, Stop. Killing me, Smalls. The other issue I have with city-run internet is, like, I frankly, I don't trust them to do it well. Well, I mean, that's beside the point. I'm okay with it. <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, let me let me express my point. I'm okay yeah. with it being a utility, as long as it's like the water company or power. You build your build mm. based on your usage. You know, there's regulations that determine how you can be billed. You can't yeah. all of a sudden have a balloon payment, you know, of... Fuck, I downloaded one song and now I'm paying $500. No, no, no. So, you know, as long as it's a set amount and it's regulated, like power and water and whatever else that you have, I think that would be a great idea. I don't necessarily think that a city should be responsible for it. I think maybe it should be state or county run. And for certain counties that have maybe not as much money, they should be able to get state assistance, you know? Well, I mean, and that's why PA, for the, for those listening who aren't in PA, we have private, by law, we have privatized energy offerers. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a privatized thing. We do. But I can vaguely, re- I was a wee Brent, but I can vaguely remember when that was not privatized, when it was state managed. Well. And that was terrible. Well, California privatized or deregulated their power industry. And I had Marine friends who lived in town. And they unplugged everything but a lamp, and they were paying $500 a month just for that lamp to be on for five mm. for however length of time. Now, that's an anecdote. Yeah. I don't know how exactly true that is, but I do know that when they deregulated the power in, in California, it really, like, it went nuts. Like, you know, yeah. you couldn't run your air conditioning yeah. in the summertime because it would be a $1,000 bill. Mm-hmm. Easy, you know. And Texas, yeah. but Texas deregulated shortly after I got out, and it was fine. I think the problem there is how you deregulate and then the steps you take to make sure that people can't abuse that, you know. Sure, yeah. And I'm all for, like, you know, keeping things in line, like, in terms of policy and regulation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, ISPs shouldn't be able to do, like, balloon charges and stuff like that. But my concern, my direct concern with a, a city-run or state-run or what have you, ISP, mm-hmm. which is essentially what Colorado wanted on the table... Is that just sheer competence? Like mm-hmm. I've I've seen the right. way state and city run utilities are, and they're terrible. Oh yeah, I mean, so for someone who telecommutes, <laughs> that's scary. Yeah, you know, like absolutely. that's that's terrifying. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, as far as that's concerned, I would rather it be someone who actually has a clue running it. But yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I'm glad I don't use Comcast anymore <laughs> because oh. they don't. Whew. All right. Are Amen, you guys ready to, brother. Are you guys ready to Although, I would like to give oh a short God. plug because the last few times that I called Comcast support, oh. they were actually quite helpful, and they even knocked some things off my bill for my troubles. 
Well, you, you got to retain the customers somehow. Well, a better question is why were you calling them in the first place? Well, when I moved into my new apartment, the people before me had a different modem, and uh -huh. for some reason it was still registered. So okay. my modem was receiving the incorrect signals, <laughs> and my connection kept dropping. Well, that's part of my point. Is like that's that would be incompetence that you're having to call them. That would be. I would agree. However, for that particular issue, they actually gave me an entire month for free. Okay, and that enough. is quite a good deal. Well. <laughs> Well, it, I mean, a month for free for you is like nothing to them. It, it doesn't impact them in any way. Yeah. Way, so. I, I, I Are you saying that. that I'm not a valued customer? Oh, for fuck's sake. Y yes. And you need <laughs> to stop the voice, dude. Radio announcer voice. Are you guys ready for, for the discussion? Fucking woo! Awesome. All right. So we have two topics. One we definitely two. want to talk uh, about because we haven't even talked about it at all yet. What? And a second... We tentatively might talk about, depending on how we're doing with time. The first one isn't, shouldn't, keyword shouldn't take too long. But the first one we'll be talking about is SSH key management. Woo! It's yeah, something yeah. we... deploy those keys. It's something we all have to deal with, right? Well, I mean, I guess if you're a Nix-like admin, yeah, you have to deal with it. Windows, oh. not so much. But for us, for all three of us, it's something we need to consider and manage. How do you guys do it currently? With I, I actually don't. both private boxes and deployment. Well, SSH dash keygen. Yeah, I, I still don't. Dash yeah. C 4096. Yeah. It's, no. No. Here's well, that's, the thing. that's the, Jenning, but. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It is my turn, Payton. <laughs> Jathan, go. Quite simply put, it is my turn. <laughs> Jathan, I just talk. <laughs> I actually don't. I don't manage keys per se. I just distribute them as is necessary. Mm. If I need, if I turn up a new box, I actually just, I get them all from GitHub with their API, usually. Like, hub keys. Yeah. Which is because, a thing, by the way, because, if you guys don't know. Yeah, and it's super easy. So, like, you know, I used to just copy them around, and then all of a sudden I was like, every box that I care about, like all my laptops and my workstations, I have the keys on GitHub. Mm -hmm. So why the fuck would I not just leverage that? True. So I just wrote a script that has a very memorable name that I can curl from basically anywhere, and I just curl and run that script, and it puts the keys in place. And then it's like, bada-bing, bada-boom, magic, you know? Bada-bing, bada-boom. Now, do the you password protect your SSH keys? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> is it Hunter? Is, is the password Hunter, too? I, <laughs> I do password protect my keys, but admittedly, it's a much shittier password than I use for most other things. But it's not Hunter 2, though. Because at work, I literally type it probably 800 times I mean, yeah, sure. kind of actually sort of should be Hunter 2 just because. No. Nope, <laughs> Nobody that's actually a pretty Hunter shitty idea. That's think, a bad idea. I think idea. you're actually pretty shitty there yourself. So Okay, know. calm down. I'm not a key. So, <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> so, for me. They're good keys, Bron. It oh, I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> I it it all depends on what I'm using the key for. If it's going to be primarily for like automation, like cron and stuff, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want a password on that because it won't run. The whole point right. of cron is to have right. unattended runs. Is it? Mm. Mm. What? Yeah, and there's definitely cases where that's yeah. appropriate. Like you know, sure. your Ansible server has oh, a key yeah. that gets distributed to clients. Yeah, that's if obviously you, not. If you're doing have like a, a role, yeah, if you're doing like a role group rebuild and you've got like yeah. 50 servers, you don't want to have to keep typing in a password key every yeah, and, like 50 times. There's other things too, like on the compute clusters that I assist in maintaining. You know, we have sort of a a node that's just reserved for like management tasks, 
Mm-hmm. And that node has, you know, uh, root login to all the other nodes without a password. Because if something's going wrong, you don't have time to really fuck around. And plus, yeah. it'd be a shared password anyway. So it's like... It's a, a jump box, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it's sufficiently protected in other ways, so... Yeah, and I manage my keys in an interesting way though i in in terms of distribution Mm -hmm. and it's not ideal and i'm working on like a sort of framework with flask and stuff to do it better but currently eh? yeah i know flask ah you need help with that no i don't actually i'll help you out he doesn't he doesn't want your help it doesn't even need a front end it's there purely to just manage things through like an http like api he he doesn't need you should use go so currently what i do is i have ignored me all of my i'm trying to make i'm trying to get through it man yeah what a dick i oh my gosh shut up currently what i do is i have all my keys in one file and i have like i have a cron job on that web server that i have all the the pub keys split out in their own files and then like every night it just takes the whole directory and casts it into one file Mm -hmm. so that's not that's not that big a deal and then what I do is I just curl that file and then redirect it to .ssh slash authorized keys. And done. You know, I, I chmod it, you know, after that. But after that, just done, right? So it's simple. It's easy. The problem is I can only keep one set of keys available for that. I can only... Hmm. It's all or nothing. I can't do any sort of, like, role separation. Like, I can't say I only want machines I have permanently set up at home to access this server. And things like that. It's all or nothing. So it's not ideal. It sounds like you need a front end with a nice drag and drop. No. Little tiles that you can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm taking over this project now. (laughs) So it's going to be a nice front end with these little drag and drop tiles. So Uh, for any given machine, you click on the profile for that machine and you just drag the keys you want there. And then it. Bam. Bada bing, bada boom. Makes it well. Kill me now. I hate to break it to you, but there's already something like that called SKM. I don't use SKM. That's different. Sick burn. I nope, don't use different. SKM because you it's... can't sick burn me. That's different. <laughs> How is it different? Because it's different. <laughs> I don't know. I never use it. I'm just assuming it's garbage because you know about it. Oh. Excuse you. Yeah, well, oh, a better yeah. reason now would be it's garbage burned. because I don't use it, and it's you got fucking wrecked, yo. Are you saying that if you use something, it automatically is good? I say I put a lot of thought into what I use. Typically, I've never seen you think about shit. Before. That is not true at all. Nah, when have you thought something through? <laughs> ever. Like when all the ever... time. Nah, the only thing I've seen you really spend time on is installing Arch. Like, well, should I have this partition go to here or to here? That's it. But normally what you do is you just have, you have your EFI boot, the rest is just root, and you might have some swap. And it's like, wow, you yeah. put a lot of thought into that partition scheme. And it it, it works because they're all private machines. I don't yeah, have to no, worry. I, I about. do the same thing too. <laughs> you ask, but, but that's because I just copy your stuff. Oh, well, that's not that's because true. I independently made a poor decision. <laughs> Excuse you. Thank oh, you. this. So, anyways, so I, I'm jumping the the gun a little bit there. Pew pew. So, that kind of gun. Fo- no. Jesus so focusing Christ. strictly on pub key distribution. Uh huh. Yeah, you can do what I did, where you just have a bunch of files, you have a cron job, cat them together, you fetch one file, no big deal, whatever. That is not very flexible, and it doesn't really offer you a lot in terms of like role separation, you know. And it's just kind of generally a pain in the ass. But it's it's still better than vi ssh slash authorized keys and then pasting in all the keys you need can i just that say sucks. something what that's kind of how we feel about you like you're better than some things but it's still a pain <laughs> oh, in the my <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh shut the fuck up 
So an interesting thing, if you're in like a large environment, is you can manage your SSH pub keys with LDAP itself, which is super Ooh. awesome. Yes, that's assuming you're using an open LDAP backend or something else that supports it. But yeah, yeah, and, but and there's most, like a plugin between the two. Most, and we'll link to it. But I guess so. Obviously, I have some experience poorly working with Active Directory. <laughs> uh huh. And as far as I know, Active Directory, at least the version we're using, and I don't even know what version it is. I don't think supports pub keys. It should be. I mean, it, it, because because do you use pub keys in Windows land? What? No, but the whole point of LDAP is it's extensible, so you can add right, a but, custom but, type. But LDAP is like tied into Active Directory, but it's not like the primary thing. Right. Uh, it, it's avail- It's an interface available via right. Active Directory. Sure. Right. So I'm just saying that I, there's a lot of properties that you can pull via LDAP. And obviously, for like an open LDAP server, you can query for public keys for a user. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, like, I think if you query against an Active Directory server for that, and someone's going to tell me I'm wrong, and that's fine. I'd be ecstatic if someone actually wrote in and it wasn't about a small business loan. <laughs> True. We get a lot of spam on the podcast email. Not even a lot. It's just this one motherfucker. But Yeah. Mm, yeah. But as far as I know, if you query the LDAP you know, attachment or whatever, the LDAP component of Active Directory, you just get a blank response for SSH keys. So, you, so, so you again, would, you, I don't know if... I don't know if that's the implementation that I'm working with doesn't support it or it's improperly configured or what the case may be. I'm just saying I'm not sure that it does. So if you rely on Active Directory to serve your LDAP needs, perhaps check into that. You would, yeah, you would need to set up a custom property for it. And I'm fairly certain most Active Directories do let you do that. Probably, but I bet you can't call it the normal thing. So things that would normally be able to interface... The whole point of LDAP is there is no normal thing. Like, aside from, like, the basics, like, name, no, no. office, yeah. phone number. I get that. But what I'm saying is, like, if there's already an LDAP property, let's just say it's, like, public underscore keys is what it's sure. called. I'm not sure the Active Directory would allow you to name a custom property LDAP underscore keys. So if something is hard-coded to look for that property when it ties into LDAP, you might be fucked. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, I mean, the Active Directory LDAP implementation should let you add any keys that it doesn't automatically populate itself. And since it's Windows, it's probably not populating a field called SSH underscore keys or whatever. Yeah. Right. And just to be clear, those were, I don't know what the name is. So yeah, I, I don't, I, I haven't had to do Active we should, Directory in we years. Should, yeah, we should probably, I don't know. We talked at some point, uh, actually, let's save it for the end. Give me a couple minutes before the baddie to ask some questions. Okay, sure. And remind me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so anyways, the point being, you can very easily add SSH pub keys to LDAP. The luck you're going to have with that, of course, it sounds like possibly may vary depending on your implementation of LDAP, but the point is you can do it, and that's freaking awesome. I believe Free IPA does have a mechanism for SSH pub keys too, right, Peyton? You're the one that saw the demo, right? Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's it's in there. It's beautiful. It's, in there? it's cool. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely, yeah. It's very nice, the, the user management in there. It's freaking stellar. Yeah. I'm still running it here to play with it. Wait, what are we talking about? Free, Free IPA. IPA. Do you remember oh. us talking about that? It was... Yeah, I yeah, I remember. Episode. I honestly, I actually just stood up and went and grabbed something real quick. So I... <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh, god. Okay. Fair enough. So, but like, LDAP is also a huge pain in the fucking ass, right? Yes, yes. It's, oh, it's... installing open LDAP is worthwhile if you have an environment that's large enough to require it. Yeah. But honest to God, I would advocate personally that using something like Ansible or Puppet to deploy users instead of something like like OpenLDAP Server 
is mm-hmm. actually just going to be way less of a time sink. Yep. And therefore, not in every case, but in some cases is a better option. Yeah, I would say anything small, medium business and smaller. You don't need it. Yeah, you don't need it. It's... I mean, I think if you're pushing, I'm going to even go as far as to say like 50 plus users, then you could start thinking about it. Sure. Start. Yeah. That's not a necessarily good that it's yeah, not necessarily that it's the right solution, but that's when you should start to put it on the table. Like maybe we need central auth. Yeah, yeah, like specifically LDAP. Yeah, it's very complex, but it does serve some purposes. However, oh, if you're not, it's a, absolutely invaluable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't refuse well, that. Well, well, to a point. If you're at that right. size, absolutely. Right. That's, that's just it. Yeah, but if you're I mean, smaller. even even smaller institutions or organizations, there's probably some legitimate use cases. Sure. Yeah. Like if you have really complex security policies that you need to be able to easily change and manage. And, and you need the change in. to be instantaneous yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an LDAP thing, potentially. For sure. But, yeah. Because anytime you introduce something that has to configure these changes or roll out yep. these changes, you're introducing a delay, mm-hmm. and you have a chance that things are not going to be consistent across your environment. I, I, th- I think there's all a at delay. Once. <laughs> exactly. Yes. There, User there, can't log in. There would be without LDAP. I think there's a delay. I'm going to use that in a ticket. But for... <laughs> Go for it. But for like smaller implementations, there's something called SSH KeyDB, which is just a simple old Python script kind of a thing, and SKM. SSH KeyDB, I haven't really looked too much into, so I'm not sure what its actual capabilities are. I would imagine it just is some sort of daemon that runs this root and then manages all users' SSH keys, whatever. SKM, however, is pretty cool. It's got a web front end, and to be fair, it does require a sort of client-server setup where the machines need to be configured to use the SKM server. But once you do that, you can very easily central and centrally manage what keys should be installed on what users on what host and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It is cool. It's definitely dated. You can tell by looking at it. It looks like it's like... Uh, you know how ugly PHP my admin is? Ooh. Yeah, it looks like that. Barfing. So it's like I haven't seen that. I haven't like looked at that in so long. Yeah, that used to be like so when I was in eighth grade, I had to do a project for my like my gifted program at, at my school. Yeah, and because I'm me, I decided I was going to write a CMS in Python. <laughs> so I got hosting. I got like a MySQL database and hosting through GoDaddy, and I did. I wrote a CMS based in Python. Mm-hmm. That was smuckingfart.com back in the day. Oh, I th- did any of that make it into Whiskey? No, no. Okay. Well, Whiskey's a totally different language. Well, uh, no, I thought they were both Python. Whiskey's going to be either Flask or Django. Probably Flask. That's still Python. Yeah, and... It's a framework. Smuckingfart was PHP. Oh, I thought you said Python for Smuckingfart. Did I? It's hard to tell. I thought I said... I'll put it in the errata either way, but I heard Python, but... All right, yeah. No, 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 PHP. PHP, got it. Which, to be fear... To to be fear... (laughs) To be fearful? I'm very scared. I'm I'm terrified. (laughs) To be fair, I haven't written a lot of PHP in a while, but I had to write some PHP for something at work, I don't know, back in, like, May or, or earlier, like a year ago now, whatever. And... I actually still really like PHP. PHP feels better to me to write in than like using a Python framework. Though, it's much harder to write good PHP. Yeah. Therefore, I do not allow myself to do it for serious things. Mm. I only fuck around. And that's what you should do, kids. <laughs> fucking around, okay to use PHP. Facebook, just fucking around. Yeah. yeah. Serious <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Facebook, just fucking use around? Python. 
<laughs> Please move on. Man. Okay. But no, I can agree with that. It's a lot easier to write like a 20 line PHP script than like setting up your Python Flask like directories, yeah. setting up UWSPI. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just getting PHP to run. Like if you just have, let's just say you have a, a static easier. site and you want to, yeah. Let's just say you had a static site and you wanted to add support for a contact form. Don't spin up a fucking Flask app to do that. Like, just use PHP. Yeah. And there's plenty of working examples you can find on the internet that are, like, short enough and easy enough to understand that you can vet them. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about making a whole site, that's got to be dynamic. And you're not... A lot of templating. You know, like a professional... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're not a professional PHP developer. Don't fuck around with PHP. Yeah, Flask is probably going to be your better bet there. Or Django, even, yeah. Or Django, yeah. Django's more complete out of the box, I think, than Flask. I would say Flask lets you build smaller applications by default. Oh, inherently, I totally agree. Yeah. But because of how limited Flask is, just just Flask, right? No extensions. Right, right, right. If you need, you know, like Django or Django CMS are probably better starting points. Yeah, yeah, I can. Or even, so I finally got to mess around a little bit today with something called Wagtail. Wagtail. And yeah, it's a Django-based CMS for Python. In 2016, I think it won, like, open source CMS of the year. Hmm. And I've got to admit, like, it's really fast. And there's a fair number of plugins that are developed for it at this point. I was really impressed with it. I will definitely be standing up, like, a dev instance of it on my VPS and fucking around some more. Because I was was really impressed by it. Fair enough. Shoot me a link. I'll put it in the notes. Yeah, I was actually considering... It's just wagtail.io. I was actually considering trying to write a podcast plugin for it. Or, like, integrating podcast gen with... Wagtail. Oh, but, well, we don't use podcast gen anymore. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. We switched to text pattern. That was like... Yeah, I know. I thought podcast gen was just doing a bunch of the back No, stuff. no. I completely removed podcast gen. We have we are no longer dependent at all on it. I don't even have it on the server anymore. Ah, poo. It's all text pattern and pod loader now. Got it. Yeah, pod loader. That's what I'm thinking of. And that yeah, that's the one I wrote. Remember, you wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote that. Yeah, yeah all right. That's what that's, I'm talking about. All that does, Joe, is, is just prep the audio and add the metadata into the database that's all it does that's that's kind of important it is important that's yeah so why would i not utilize that if it's you know publicly available which is true i'm gonna get back to talking about ssh though because that's what i really want to talk about really (laughs) god damn it Peyton, stop doing that (laughs) oh my god oh god you were doing that creepy voice and now you just took us away (laughs) okay all right, so SKM, like I was saying, it's ugly, but it's pretty functional. I haven't given it like a full test through the ropes kind of a thing, but it does have some really nice features and stuff that you would definitely want for a medium-sized scale SSH deployment. It will let you do like role grouping and things like that for SSH keys. Very handy stuff. Lastly, in terms of access, you can use Kerberos, but there's a problem with that. Jason, there's a. would you like to tell us what that problem is? Have you read the show notes yet? No. Okay. No, I don't I don't usually I just wing okay. when we do these. <laughs> okay, fair enough. The problem with that is in order to use Kerberos authentication with SSH, which is sort of like the native way wait, wait, wait. of doing unified login. Yeah, yeah. So Linux. so I just want to say I use Kerberos for SSH. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me and he, what point I'm probably gonna make with it? Well, <laughs> this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be what you're gonna say, but I'm gonna tell you if you forget to turn on NTP, uh-huh. you're really fucked. <laughs> Okay. So don't don't do that. Turn it on. Okay. Even if you're not using Kerberos, you should turn it on. It's good to have it on anyways. Yeah. It's really a good idea. But if you're gonna use Kerberos, don't even don't even type yum install curb five dash devil until you've turned on NTP. If you do that, 
things happen. Things catch things on fire. Happen. Your computer will come get you. Thank you for No, what are you going to say? No, I'm what I was going to say is the problem with using Kerberos Auth for SSH is it requires password authentication mm-hmm. in SSHD. It does. That's my problem with it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But, uh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah, there's ways you can mitigate around that, like firewalling and only allowing certain hosts. But that's more complexity. It's, in my opinion, it's a but, much but safer. But it's still. Yes. It's still less work than doing something like OpenLDAP. Yes. Yes. So. I will grant so, that. Okay. And also, a Kerberos server is easier than OpenLDAP server. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll get behind that. So, I agree with you. You're right. It does require password. Well, it doesn't necessarily, but the keys are still not managed centrally then. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's no way to do pub key management. This is a roller coaster. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you can't do pub key management with Kerberos, which is a shame. people overlook Kerberos today, though, and it's sad. (laughs) Thank you, Jathan. Jathan said. Yeah, it does have its definite uses, but... If you need to use passwords anyway, Mm -hmm. like if you're in an environment where people have to log into things and not use a key yeah use kerberos mm-hmm. please yeah in, in which case like i don't know i <sighs> why don't more people do that like have you ever done it for personal nope. machines? Mm-mm. no because i don't i personally don't see a use of kerberos beyond 10 like under 10 machines that's fair and that's like the magic number for me for kerberos ldap you're right like yeah like 50 users or like 30 machines maybe yeah i'd probably go with ldap with that but under 10 machines i probably don't need unified login but yeah, so, I mean, these are the basic ways, at least I know of, of centrally managing access to SSH. But let's talk about from the client perspective, like with host keys. Okay. Okay, so this I do manage to some extent. Right, and you even asked me the other day to, to write a script for you. To... <laughs> yeah, there's a bug, by the way. Okay, let me know about it, because I just pushed that script to my Optools repository. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, later. so I'll link to that in our, whatever, our show notes. But, like... So if you want to see, like, how I, what I wrote for him, like, line for line, except for the bug he's going to tell me about, you can check that out. It's not, yeah, okay. It's not what? I was going to say, I didn't adapt, I didn't incorporate your pseudo changes. Oh. Mm. Because I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, the, the pseudo? I don't think I implemented pseudo. The system changes? No, no, you did something so you could, like, do it for another user? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sort of. All right, well, I'll... You guys can check the help on that when I post the show notes and you'll you'll see what he's talking about. But there's some really neat things while doing that that I learned. Number one is, and I knew about this, but I never really dig too much into it, is uh, you can hash the hosts in your known hosts file. I knew you could do it. I never bothered doing it because I didn't really have any use for it. You know, I figure if someone has access to my known host file, I've got bigger problems. But yep, yeah. But it is handy if you're in some sort of environment where that might be a concern, where you're worried about a list of host names being leaked. Very handy stuff with that. There's you can do system level known hosts, and this is probably what I would do with wide scale deployments. If you have a lot, if you're setting up a lot of boxes that have to SSH to other boxes, I would definitely, or rather one box, but have multiple users all SSHing to the same box. I would definitely implement this. The Etsy SSH, what was it? SSH underscore known underscore hosts, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah okay. Yeah. Yep. Surprised I remember that off the top of my head. 
And I don't think that varies at all by district. No, I don't think it does either. That is the upstream SSH default. Yeah, and to my knowledge, there's not a district that changes that. Some might disable it. But by default, upstream, it is enabled by default. It's super easy to use. It's the same exact syntax as uh, as home.ssh known hosts. Same syntax. You can literally copy over that file. I mean, you'll have to be root. But you copy that. But also, if you don't copy it, it's still effective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can add, like, unique keys there and whatever, too. But you, it's the same exact syntax as my point, is you can copy your existing yeah, known yeah. host into that system-wide file. And that way, all users can benefit from statically known hosts. The additional benefit of that is non-root users mm-hmm. are going to be relying on a known host file that they cannot change. You can tell your SSH client to ignore the host file or disable strict host key, strict host key checking so that you know like you're not going to completely lock them out of a box if a key changes or something but it's very nice to have a way where you can tell users to like look just rely on this file local known host files like to that user can override that file of course but again like there's multiple hoops you have to jump through and it's very idiot proof to avoid users just blindly adding the wrong host key host key response something you definitely want to want to know about though is number one monkey sphere basically lets you implement a sort of i know it's a silly name it's a silly name but it, it does some awesome stuff monkey sphere if you're not familiar with the project sort of lets you implement like gpg authentication for websites which in and of itself is awesome but beyond that it lets you do really neat things like have gpg signed hosts for ssh for instance you can sort of sign a host key and say yes this is definitely the key i want to use and i as this individual as this owner of this key have authorized that this is the correct key yeah which really solves a sort of missing component of the ssh key or host key thing I mean, the host keys are designed to prevent man in the middles, and they do a pretty good job of that. The problem is you need to know what is the right key. With Monkey Sphere involved in this sort of flow, you can have a trusted system in saying, like, I have validated this key personally, and this is the correct host key. Anything else is wrong. And that immediately strengths of that man in the middle protection like tenfold. Right. But it's monkey sphere is admittedly also kind of a pain in the ass and it would require you to like set up a SSH wrapper or like an alias in your bash RC or something like that. Because there's a very long involved command you have to use to actually take advantage of that. Right. But, you know, if you decide that's not for you, lastly, you can at the very least, automate a lot of your SSH host key management for the clients with SSH key scan. And so many people don't realize this. This is a thing. SSH key scan will let you grab all of the host keys that a SSH host serves. And you can immediately redirect that into your known host file. That's cool. You can also specify, yeah, you can specify specific host key algorithms. Like if you only want to add ED25519 keys mm-hmm. to your to your known hosts, mm-hmm. you can do that. That's neat. And then an additional thing, I don't actually have this in our scratch pad, but I just remember this. SSH key gen, aside from letting you generate keys and like transform private keys and like extrapolating the public keys from them and stuff in case you lose it. Aside from letting you do all that, it lets you manage your own, your known host file. There are options in there to add and remove and, you know, change entries. And even cooler, it works directly with hashed known hosts. 
it will work with a hash known host file. That's that's neat. So that's super handy. Yeah, you, like I I'm gonna have to start taking more advantage of that because what I'll what I'll do is like oh okay it's it's line whatever in my known host and then I'll set that out. Like yeah, it's handy because I know the said command for like deleting a line by line number. But that's still like an extra step of abstraction I ha- I have to mentally take instead of just doing like SSH keygen dash r host name yeah. you know and then done it's removed right and it'll also remove all other matching entries as well not that one specific line so that's also a benefit of that that's all i have on ssh key management off the top of my head did you guys have anything to add to that no i mean i would just say in my environment specifically mm-hmm. i provide users with a known host file for the cluster because when you're using something yep. like mpi that has to communicate between all the nodes potentially you have to have all those keys in place. And I just... You manage that with Puppet, though, right? You don't... Yeah, I was, I was just going to oh, say, okay. yeah. I maintain that. I don't actually maintain it in Etsy SSH known host. Mm. And the reason for that is, one, if a key changes, I don't want to screw everyone over. Sure. Because we do rebuild nodes, not that often, but when it happens, it's just, honest to God, something I probably forget to do. Right. You know, I... But the the other thing is, I honestly think that... For me, I like when someone submits a ticket and is like, hey, I'm getting this error while I'm trying to run MPI, and I get to explain what the purpose of those keys is Mm -hmm. and why they have to update their known hosts. Mm. And so for me, it's a little bit of an intentional sort of pain point for users so that I have the opportunity to teach them about it. Yeah. And, you know, what I found is, so we actually just rebuilt our larger compute cluster over the last couple days, last week. But what was really cool was to see how many users just were back up and running afterwards. And they knew like, oh, I have to grab all the host keys for this, like all the nodes now before I try to run MPI Mm -hmm. jobs. So, you know, it's kind of a dick move not to just put it in place for them. It's a little bit of a less seamless experience. But I also think that, you know, part of my job is to help my users better understand what's happening. You know, like they're scientists, right? Mm -hmm. They don't really care why the cluster works necessarily. Sure. But any opportunity I get to pass on that type of knowledge, not only does it help them in our environment and give them a little bit of light, shed some light on what they're doing, but if they go to another environment and they run into the same issue, right? There's compute clusters all over the country at different institutions and government entities and whatever. And they basically all use us as age, yeah. 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 So just instilling that knowledge, you know, making them hit that pain point one time Mm. just means that in the future, they're going to know why they're having that particular issue. So I find value in not doing it for them for that. Interesting. Yeah. I think you and I take different philosophies there. Like I don't like having to deal with mundane tasks that are that I view as easily scriptable. So, sure. and and I'm with you there. Yeah, so I would have had, um, which is why, which is why I provide a copy of uh, it because right. then it's like, oh, here's a copy of all the things you need in your known host. Mm-hmm. Just copy the entries or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. That's kind of a nice compromise between the two ends of that perspective. Sure. I don't know. I, me personally, I think I, and I might actually do this for work for Foxy Proxy, is set up that the system wide known hosts. By the way, and and I hate that they did this. I hate it. But the default file name for the system-wide one is Etsy SSH SSH underscore known underscore hosts. Not Etsy SSH known underscore hosts. I don't know why they felt the need to tack that additional SSH underscore on the beginning of the file name. But it bugs me. Because, like, everything else... Well, no, because, like, everything else, like, it matches the general scheme for your own SSH your own private SSH home dirt, basically, you know, but that breaks it and it drives me nuts. But anyway, so yeah, there's, and there's some other 
weird things you can do. Like, there's no reason why you can't use the same host key for all servers in a cluster. I would recommend against it, but there's no reason why you can't do that. The only difference between SSH host keys and really like pub private keys for users for SSH is file name and that they're specified distinctly in the sshd.conf. That's it. They're the same exact keys. Like you can switch them in and out. So, oh, and you also know you can do a host-based authentication. Yep. Yeah. So like you can add a, a host key in a user's authorized keys file. And that'll let you basically let anyone from a host authenticate to this certain user on this certain host. Right. It's a limited use case, but it can definitely simplify your key management in general, if that's a use case you have for it, for sure. Anyways, do you guys want to talk about that second talking point? It's going to be a longer... I think we save it. Save it? Yeah. Save okay. It. Yeah, let's just... We're already I mean... pretty far in, and it's one hour for... Almost one hour, five minutes in the raw, so... Right. Jathan, there was something you wanted me to remind you about before we... Yeah, yeah. So, so I wanted to ask a couple questions of our viewers, listeners, who never actually answer my <laughs> questions anyway. Like nobody writes in and is like, "Yeah, Jason asked that really good question." And I've got sometimes answer. they do, but it's usually so, comments. On damn the show it, listeners! Notes. You should do it. Just email us or tweet at us or find us on or IRC put it on the show notes comments like you like some of you actually whatever. had done and i've told jathan about it but he still forgot about it but keep going yeah it's fine so one i just want to know there were a few episodes in the past where like we just sort of talked about personal projects we were working on and like updated you on our own shit yep and i want to know if you appreciate that or if it's just a waste of our time primarily because like i just care no, you i don't. care too much no, you fucking don't. <laughs> care too much the other thing, what were we talking about before when I actually mentioned it? LDAP, Kerberos. Well, it's possible I've forgotten. <laughs> so mostly that SKM question. SKM, maybe. Python, no, your no. PHP CMS. No. Damn it, Jathan. Damn it, Jathan. Right. Well, if you remember, let me know. Yeah. I'll put it in the, rat- in the errata. Yeah, whatever. There was another thing. Okay. But I seriously want to know because, you know, we've done that on a couple occasions and I think... If it's something that people actually appreciate, like us just droning on about our personal project, mm-hmm. next season we can potentially incorporate more of that on a more regular basis. Like maybe every, you know, we can, yeah, we can set aside like know. ten minutes every episode and, and give an update on our own stuff. Well, I'm not even thinking that. I'm just thinking like every, I don't know, eighth episode okay. or something, like three times a season, whatever. Yeah, we have about we have if we stick to a normal schedule like we did this season. I'm proud of you guys for that, by the way. It should be 22 episodes every season. Yeah, so that's roughly once every yeah, eight. Yeah, I mean, we'll miss the last one, but it's going to be no, the we'll shit show. No, we'll just shove the last one in the <laughs> shit show. Yeah. Fair enough. How could you not hear about our personal products in the Fair shit enough. show? Fair enough. Like, I'm sure at some point it comes up. <laughs> I'm okay with doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots of things that I've been working on. I mean, I'll probably run out of things to talk about at some point, but there's always something you can talk mm-hmm. about, so. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it, ultimately, I would say it's up to the listeners. If you guys are interested in hearing this, just... Find us on IRC or, or one of the many different ways to contact us. Hell, Twitter, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think just pop in and, and let us know. Along the same lines, yes. this season is not over yet. We've got, what, three more? Two. Two, two more. Wow. This is right. S2E20 that we're oh, recording yeah, so right now. 22 will be the shit show, mm-hmm. which we need a name for. But Son of in any case, show. in years past, we've had a little break, which we're going to do that this year because mm-hmm. we need it. Yeah. Seriously, it's really nice to have the holidays off with our families and stuff and not not that we don't, you know, we don't spend huge amounts of time doing all this, but it's it's, it's still it takes its toll. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to do a better job during the break this year, the hiatus, getting some information from listeners mm-hmm. 
in terms of guests that we would potentially like to see. Mm -hmm. So if there's somebody you think would be a good fit for our show, point us to them or point them to us. Actually, you, or can, you just tell us. Yeah, you can, you can email Jathan directly with that since he's he does most of our organization. So yeah, Jathan yeah, yeah. at com. Just get him some or contact. I want I'm not more guests next season. No, there is no, no. Don't email that because it'll be a. It, you'll just get it'll a bounce. <laughs> it'll it will fail. So I want to do a better job with guests next season. Mm -hmm. Also, topics in general, like season zero, we actually had a couple people really contribute some topics. A few last season. I don't know that we really had any this season. Yeah, like people like, hey, you guys should talk about X Y Z, and you know we don't struggle to come up with topics, but between the three of us, you know, we only work the same jobs every day. And, and yes, it's, there it's are new nice things to... that come up and there's new challenges, but it's nice for us to have to learn about something new so we can talk about it. Yeah. And the honest truth is like we're just not exposed to enough new problems and challenges and technologies necessarily at our day jobs at this point to continue like always having something awesome to talk about. Yeah. And it's also really nice to know like directly what people are interested in hearing about too. So if you can tell us either now or during our break which, you know, we start recording again in, like, February-ish. Mm -hmm. Yep, February. Mm -hmm. Probably early We February. would really love to hear what you'd like to hear about, and we will make it happen. And if we don't know about it, we'll try to find someone who can be on the show that does. Assuming it's something, like, too complex for us to learn about it in, like, a day or two. So, yeah. Yeah, right. And, you know, we're always willing to do some reading and yep. even demo some stuff yeah. to try to make it yeah. a real topic discussion. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. Let's, you know, bring it on. Mm -hmm. I also think that... Yeah, okay, whatever. We'll talk about the other changes to season three later. But <laughs> we can talk about them in the shit show, too. Yeah, exactly, when we're drunk and happy. Yeah, <laughs> true. Because I'm not either of those right now. <laughs> Come on. All right, sorry. Yeah. No, that's pretty much it. I think we're ready for the baddie. What do you think? Yeah, baddie. Who's heard, uh, who's heard of parody wallet? I, Digital currency wallet. I did parody. not hear about it until now. Until it today. Is, they primarily make open source wallets. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. So people had many, many doll hairs of <laughs> Ethereum, which is a yeah. digital currency, in these parody wallets, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Here's the thing, though. Basically, parody released an update to their multi-signature wallets. Yes. And it cut off all access to the funds that were contained in these particular wallets. And the value at this point, it just says in this article, millions of dollars. There's no hard estimate. Oh, there is. Actually, there's there's a soft further. one, yeah. I included okay, it yeah, in, so in the, in the scratch notes. Yes. Yeah. Potentially between $150 million to $280 million that are completely inaccessible now. Yep. Not to the people who maintain the wallets, not to the people who had wallets. So well, basically, in order to make these funds accessible again, they would have to make a hard fork of Ethereum. <laughs> Again. So basically create a new cryptocurrency and... Which they already I, had to do with Ethereum. Ethereum is right, having basically. a lot of problems. Well, so Some, Bitcoin kind of at this well, point. Well, uh, Bitcoin's a little bit better done. But yeah. Ethereum's so like... The, well, so with Ethereum, like there was a um, 60 million earlier. The yeah. reason they had the fork was because attackers somehow managed to sort of falsify a contract. So Ethereum is based on like contracts. It's just right. like... Yeah, so some attackers basically forged a contract worth And it's, it's basically a contract between, like, users and the wallet creators or, like, maintainers, right? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can use it in traditional, like, business contracts, too. But, yeah, essentially, in, in any that's case, it. Yeah. This baddie goes to the parody people because... <laughs> 
you've just fucked over a lot of users yeah. who, even if Ethereum forks, I'm willing to bet they're probably not going to stick with you that long for their wallet needs. You missed the best part about this, by the way. Do you know how it actually got triggered? Wasn't it just a botched up? A you No. No, no. I thought that's... Wait, a okay, user. Look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. The oh. user accidentally a... triggered a flaw with an update to... That's after... Oh, that's after... Yeah. Wait, but it doesn't say. It just says they accidentally triggered a flaw with an update. Yeah, so the flaw was existing so how did a in the user, update. But, well, he but made himself the, the owner, whole, and then he deactivated. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole reason oh, they boy. actually need to fork oh, was a boy. user made... So here's the thing. Supposedly an accidental mistake, and now, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, million, like, hundreds of millions, or at least, at least probably 150 million to 280 million of USD equivalent dollars all hairs are completely inaccessible gone. totally oh, and completely inaccessible. They're super gone. fucked gone They're gone i would be so pissed i'd be oh, you're right. furious so, so i'd kill jayton no you wouldn't take you out for you couldn't i'm not really gonna weigh in on cryptocurrency bullshit but i just don't really buy into it like i understand it i understand why you know people are making fuck tons of money mm-hmm. from it I just don't think it's worth, like, this happening, you know? Yeah. Well. I mean, it depends how you're generating or earning your cryptocurrency, perhaps. Sure. Well, but, so, so that's... But at the end of the day, like, I just have American dollars, and I'm pretty happy. Yeah, well, there's... The whole point of it is, like, the U.S. definitely has some problems with its financial system. No, totally. Yeah. We talked about it, about with like, with Equifax and shit, but... Well, yeah, yeah, that, but also, like, I mean, the banks were supposedly too big to fail, and they did. And all sorts of stuff that, that's played into that. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even FCUs, financial credit unions, mm-hmm. or federal credit unions. Yeah, I was, was going to say. Like, they're better than banks, because, you know, they're still essentially community run like they're sort of owned by their members but even then they're not perfect the nice thing about a good cryptocurrency in ethereum i've always had kind of a a shady feeling about but like i have a couple bitcoin wallets by the way if you're a bitcoin user you can donate to us in bitcoin if you would like i'll put a link in the show notes but i believe it's on our about our show about page so if you'd like you can donate to us in bitcoin but Bitcoin's pretty solid. It's not very anonymous, but it's solid. And Zcash has its own problems, but, you know, they are at least more anonymous than Bitcoin. You know, there's a lot of sort of ways of addressing the weaknesses in various things. And I'm happy with what I've seen in Bitcoin. Yeah, it's insane, like, the way it's... So we're recording this on the evening of November 8th. And it was supposed to fork tomorrow, I think, today, sometime like that. So the price of Bitcoin, like the USD to Bitcoin conversion rate was going absolutely insane all day long. But normally, it's a pretty steady incline. I've already made money by like transferring USD into Bitcoin, into my wallet. Have you, you've done that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, why? Well, it's nice to have a backup plan, Jathan, in case the banks fail again. Okay. But yeah, I've already made money from it. I have more worth in USD from Bitcoin than I did when I bought them. And that's even after the craziness that's been happening today. So it's definitely worth something to investigate. But yeah, I mean, you got to be really careful about which actual blockchain you choose to use, because a lot of people see it as a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Or like, you know, it's it's like the next hotness. Yeah. It's like Node. It's like Node.js. 
Okay. Where? Nope. <laughs> Listen. Nope. Nope. This has gone off. No. Nope, no. 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 Stick with me. I'm gonna make this analogy work. Where it's the hotness, and everybody wants to use it, but not everybody should be using it. You know, or or I guess in in more accurate sense, there it shouldn't. It should not be used. No. Just no. There is. It. There is. It does do some really nice things for actual websites. But the problem is you're finding people who are writing, like, command line tools in Node. Yeah, like that damn GitHub pull request shit. Yes, which we could do in, like, 10 lines or 10 to 50 lines of Python. <laughs> That's kind of a range. It's a ra- It's still remarkably less than what theirs is. Yeah. But, yeah, so Node is great for websites because it lets you do with websites what you normally had a very hard time doing. But when you start using it for, like, command line tools, like, maybe ease off on the node a little bit. Like, you've gone too far. Blockchains and cryptocurrency are a lot like that. You don't need to cryptocurrency. You don't need to blockchain everything. But if you're using it for what it was designed for, which is an alternative to the banks, an alternative to the existing economical structure, then, yeah, there's definitely use to it. But the problem is, like, again, like, you got to make sure you're picking a good blockchain fork bitcoin is hard to go wrong unless you're trying to be completely anonymous so that's my take on it as someone who actually uses it it was it was but you know what we're at the end so thank god some (laughs) things are finally ending (laughs) oh my gosh all right do do either of you have any closing thoughts i don't have any thoughts period (laughs) well that's normal day for you so oh my gosh well with that I would like to announce. Oh my god, he's pregnant. No, I'm not pregnant. I have finally. Finally? Finished? Finished that bottle of bourbon. Ah, took you long enough. Wow, no longer a weenie in the wild. (laughs) I finally made it through. Just kidding, you're still a fucking weenie. What is a weenie in the wild? What context, what definition, what I just imagine you running down the streets of Philadelphia, like screaming, like one of the nematodes from Spongebob or something. Uh, all right, number one, <laughs> the streets of Philadelphia is not, quote, end quote, the wild. Oh, it is. No, it's absolutely, yeah, it it's is. wild, but it's not the wild. Number two, what does that have, what, how does that make me a weenie? I don't know, dude. Number you three. that way, I don't know. Number three, nematodes don't scream. I don't care what Spongebob says. And all right. Number four, you're a grown-ass adult. Come up with better How about reports. you don't yuck my yum right now? <laughs> What? Yeah, don't yuck my don't, yum. Don't DNF your yum. Oh, that's you. You killed it. I, Let's just close out. It. <laughs> I'm sad now. You've made this, me sad. <laughs> this has been Susan Minister. Me, I'm Brent. I'll see you all later. Você não sabe
encarrafado Você precisava atrás de um boato Você merece um bico de sapato Um personagem do mais caricato Você não vale nem um carrapato Você não vale nem um carrapato